think the CIA needs a slogan. Yeah. And I think that slogan should be with today's. Yeah. <laughs> if, you're, if you were a CIA operator in like the 70s, 80s, you could just be like, hey, can I have $2 million to dose hookers with LSD and just kind of see what happens? Yeah. And I totally won't fuck them. Jordan Peterson is just. He, he's like if your aunt who believes that her cat is her grandmother in like human form yeah uh, it had, had, two had, had, a, had a book yeah exactly, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> All right, and welcome back to another episode of Slightly Informed, the number one show among people under 40 who still get DVDs from Netflix. <laughs> How many people we think that is? I, I ballpark <laughs> under 5,000 for sure. I was going to go like under 100. <laughs> you, know, you know who I think still does it? Uh, it's it's the guy who maybe five years ago spent a ridiculous amount of money on like a real fancy Blu-ray player. Yeah. And oh. He's got to justify yeah. his doesn't want to lose the day. argument Honey, to the his quality wife just isn't there over Wi-Fi. <laughs> <laughs> that he wasted his money on a Blu-ray player. Maybe Netflix has 4K now on streaming. Yeah, but do they have Blu-ray? <laughs> I've also heard they have a bigger back catalog of weird shit. Oh yeah, I do. Yeah, no, they, they have like five yeah. times the amount of things okay. on their on their Fair DVDs. Enough. So there's a reason. But you want to watch like some Japanese horror or something like that? I'm gonna like order that. a DVD just to like have the just try it out. Just try it out. I think it's I only like that it's only era. like a free trial. four or five dollars more a month. Really? I feel like. We're but then it's a lot. like the whole thing with Redbox. How I I can't tell you how many times I've purchased a DVD from Redbox. <laughs> yeah. I just twenty five bucks for like. Oh, that's why I stopped using something that's in the ten dollar bin and fucking. It was like oh, I could go back to that Albertsons, but the other one's so much more. What was the thing? <laughs> I'm trying to remember. It was wasn't it Disney that made Blu-ray? There's like two different ways to go down. It was it HD, was, DVD, and Blu-ray. And Blu-ray, and it was like Disney who is solely responsible for Blu-ray because they're like they did the yeah. same thing for DVDs we're gonna over th laser disc or whatever. We're gonna yeah. throw our horse behind that, and everyone's like, well, I guess we have well, to fucking Disney's do there. that. Yeah, we gotta do it. <laughs> but on to real, uh, real right, election yeah. <laughs> news here. We've got uh, a few things to to share with you folks. Um, starting with your fewer Donald Trump. Yeah. Are we starting with? Anything, I suppose. I mean, I think we're going to start right here. And what happened, if you watched the election, I was called by the biggest people uh, <laughs> saying congratulations, political people. Congratulations, <laughs> sir. You just won the election. It was 10 o'clock and you looked at the numbers and I'm sure you felt that way. This election was over. And then they did dumps. They call them dumps. Big, massive dumps uh, in Michigan and Pennsylvania. <laughs> And uh, uh, all over, uh, if you if you take a you you heard it here first. <laughs> they did massive. They dumps. did big, big massive, massive dumps. dumps in Michigan and Wisconsin. I wonder what size desk he was behind when he was doing that phone interview. So if you're confused by all of this, um, yeah, Donald Trump has. Uh, Made headlines for a lot this week. Yeah, and it's all big over massive. Was it? it dumps was trending on. Yeah, massive on hashtag massive. massive dumps. Yeah, I got a lot of enjoyment out of that clip today, guys. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> I probably watched it six or seven times, and it it still holds up. It's <laughs> like, so good. <laughs> And um, and on top of that, McLean mentioned the tiny desk. He, yeah. He had a picture, or was it an actual like press briefing where it was he was talking? Oh, it was yeah. a press, yeah. press briefing. Yeah. So yeah, and rather than using like the Oval Office, a resident yeah. desk, no, or I'm anything like sure that. I'm pretty sure he was in the Oval. No, like, no, it was, was a different. It was like one of the green rooms or something. Or the but green room. It or was something. in the White House. It was in the White House. He had access and, to the Resolute. Desk. Okay. <laughs> okay. In, in context, of the story too. 
uh, George H.W. Bush has signed a bill at that desk, too, but he was flanked by, it was like the Veterans with Disabilities Act, and he was flanked by Veterans with Disabilities, and H.W. was like a normal-sized human being, so it didn't look quite as comical. <laughs> but when you put Trump, who's just a massive man, behind this tiny-ass desk. A large son. Yeah. And it was also Thanksgiving when it came out, so everyone's just joking about Trump being at the kids' table. <laughs> <laughs> the memes were yeah. A1. I, I saw so many things of like tea parties and stuff like that where someone like oh, photoshopped in stuff. like oh, yeah. two little kids sitting on these tiny little chairs and they made the desk even yeah. smaller. Oh my Have God. Have you heard of great. NPR's Tiny Desk tiny Concert? Desk concert. Yeah, that's that was what I kept joke. thinking of. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that was another joke. They were like, oh, Trump heard that Obama had a Tiny Desk Concert at the White House and had to uh, like overdo it. <laughs> so he gets his tiny ass desk. <laughs> Just Google Trump tiny desk. I'm sure it'll pop up. It's it's a pretty hilarious. It's the president sitting alone at a desk that's roughly the size of him, like widthwise, and a boom mic hanging over his head. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Yeah, yeah. So that happened, and I guess I'll I'll plug a couple things here. So, as a lot of people have probably heard, Pennsylvania Supreme Court has thrown out the last active legal challenge. We got laughed it out of court. It was laughed out of. Literally laughed out of court. Yeah. And then as far as Wisconsin goes... Um, Big win Trump, for the Trump team. Yeah. Big Trump, win. Trump paid, <laughs> and not Trump, Trump's donors paid... The Trump campaign, yeah. $3 million for Biden to gain 158 votes. <laughs> <laughs> what we've been telling you guys this whole time, some votes will flip. It's just going to be in the tens or hundreds. Yep. And it's hilarious they flipped to Biden this time. So funny. <laughs> so funny. <laughs> Uncovering massive voter fraud. <laughs> Honestly, it kind of makes me want to uh, donate to the Trump campaign to see what else they can pull. It's it, the only side note to that is in their fine print. It's like to pay off our debts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's gonna be the next couple. Well, couple yeah, that weeks was uh, of in the donations thing. It was like donate to help us win this war against the rigged elections, and then the fine print was like any money spent, but not by the Trump campaign uh, by inauguration day, will be used to pay down Trump campaign's legal debts. <laughs> <laughs> so they're fundraising money to pay down the debts they're going to have after this election. God. How does that work? I think you talked about it a little bit, John. How does that work? Like, for most people, they lose the election or whatever, lose a, a so you, house So any money you raise like can that. be used for elections in general. So, so you can't, like, go buy a gaming computer. But if you're a senator who runs for president and raises $200,000, now you have 200000 in your war chest for your next senatorial. Unless race. you're Duncan Hunter. Is that his name? The, the oh, guy yeah, who bought, yeah. uh, bought an entire yeah. game console and, like, bought a game game, game, I think he games. bought a game computer and, like, a couple, like hundreds of Steam games or something <laughs> like that. It was just... He spent, like, four grand on Steam games, which is, like, a hard number to hit. That's unless awesome. you're buying all AAA. Like, That's awesome. Yeah, so... But yeah, so that's how the elections, you can pay down any of your campaign debts because like most big organizations, they accrue debts with the ability to pay them down in the future. So they're going to pay down those debts. And Trump's a weird case because I can't see him running for like Senate or anything or like Barack. Once you're president, you usually don't like go, go down, down in office. Ladder, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so I think they're just trying to pay their debts off and maybe, I don't know, use the money. For, I think there was some big thing where like, a lot of times it's used to you spend money on advertising, but it happens to be with your campaign manager's advertising company or whatever. Right. So, like, you funnel the money elsewhere for sure. And uh, <laughs> while we're still talking presidential uh, election news and stuff, we have breaking news. 
breaking foot news. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Joseph Biden has a hairline fracture on his foot from playing with his dog, Major. His dog, Major. And, um, yeah, you know, honestly, I just think he needs to find a nice tiny desk. Fair enough. And just release a statement to the public, <laughs> yeah. and he will regain their... Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> look, look, at, look at me. I'm fine. Yeah. Plus, you can't tell a man not to play with his dog. I mean, so, it's going to happen. Enough. Also, I think Major would be the first adopted canine to enter the White House, which Aww. is pretty dope, too. He's also bringing a cat. Is he? Yeah. Interesting. A, I don't know who's had cats Two before. German Shepherds and a cat sounds like a weird household. That, that is a bit of a weird household. Yeah. It is. I guess we never assumed that these people were normal, though. So. That's true. Yeah. Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> um, but yeah, and uh, besides that, just a quick light touch on some... Um, I guess, picks by the Biden campaign for uh, the administration, things like that. Uh, Twitter is lighting up right now over yeah. Neera Tandon, who is picked for, what was she, like head of communications uh, or office something? Office of uh, the bud budget. Oh, yeah. OMB. OMB, yeah. Office o of Management and Budget. Management and Budget, yeah. So, yeah. Um, so Mostly bureaucratic role, so I get it, whatever. At least she's not like a secretary. but Right, but yeah, if... It, if Secretary of State would have been just the absolute worst scenario yeah. with this, but uh, yeah. she had a she had a real winner of a uh, of a tweet a few years ago. I'm kind of paraphrasing, but it was something along the lines of the our government should seize Libyan oil fields as a present to the American people and a slap on the wrist to the to the Libyan government. I or saw something it like in that. the context of an email, and someone was like. What basically, I think it was Faz Shakur emailed her something mm -hmm. about it, and she responded like, "Well, we have a big deficit, and they have a lot of oil, so <laughs> so that's ours." Yeah, yeah. and <laughs> it's like a lot of things in politics; they don't say we should take it after that, but it's like the implication is like, and I think it followed with a sentence or two that was like. I don't think it's so bad if, like, other countries pay us back a little bit for our work over there or whatever. Mm -hmm. And it's just like, yeah, I don't I don't know. I don't I don't like that precedent. Right? <laughs> like, <laughs> yep. We'll get involved if you have shit we can steal. <laughs> well, as far as uh, his people he's appointed, he has an all-female communications team now. Interesting. Hmm. Yeah. And this is, this is where – this is where it's going in the Biden administration, right? Right. You get – a lot of the woke wins, but nothing as far as, like, progressive po policy wins. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. like uh, yeah. I mean, they have – it was, like, who is it? The, the general counsel or something – or whatever the people who talked to the CIA – national security director. Is right. Like the first female national security director. <laughs> and there's, like, a black man in charge of finance or something now. Like, there's – you get a lot of those wins, but all all of those people are just middle of the lane centrists. This, this is all twenty sixteen. This twenty fifteen twenty sixteen memes. Uh, like I remember the tweet from uh, great tweeter uh, at Maple Cocaine. Uh, had the had the one. You where remember like, that? I do remember that. Uh, uh, he had the tweet where it was like, "Conservatives, we should round up Muslims and put them into camps. Liberals." Hire more women guards. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. That's where we're going that with is, this. That is the direction. And I mean, that's uh, Rahm Emanuel's been floated as transportation secretary. Oh, God. 
And I think that might have gotten enough backlash where they're not going to do it. Yep. Uh, Ron Manuel previously floated on the show as the guy on MSNBC who said, uh, we should just give them money and teach them to code if any of your jobs get replaced at JCPenney, <laughs> uh, which we have <laughs> lambasted for months that you can't just tell everyone to go to code. And everyone doing one job definitely won't have any implications yeah. on the price of that job. Also yeah. famous for covering up the murder of a black teenager in Chicago. Yes. Also famous for overseeing uh, black sites, which normally yep. are in other countries, but they also exist in Chicago. So great mayor and nice. a fun transition. Yeah. Uh, that uh, the black sites were CIA endorsed and 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 Chicago run black sites in, yeah. in the Chicago area. And um, uh, I guess one more thing on the on the potential picks hasn't been confirmed, but being floated as as the top pick of the list is former CIA director. Um, Mike Morell, who is famous for going on air frequently to um, uh, tell us why torture is not actually that bad <laughs> and why it's not unconstitutional <laughs> torture. Guys. Yeah, guys, come on. We've all been Enhanced swimming before, right? Interrogation <laughs> techniques. Come on, you water can't drink water yeah. through a Walking towel. Come on. <laughs> Same thing, guys. Um, on a lighter note, just before we get into the CIA, uh, floated for commerce is Andrew Yang. So Woo! we might. This this podcast Dubbies might get a win. Chat. Yeah, exactly. I might hate the vast majority of the others, but I would like him to be somewhere in, somewhere in, in speaking yeah, range. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Use that bully pulpit, Andrew. Yep. So hopefully he gets it. I still have like a 60-40 split. He's going to get completely fucked by the DNC slash Biden because he's too vocal about Nancy Pelosi fucking everyone's day. Mm -hmm. So I'm not – that. that's – I'd say, yeah, there's roughly a 60-40 shot he doesn't get it, but even 40%. I'm, I'm looking to the, the bright side for now, and hopefully he gets in the administration. But, yeah, everyone else has been pretty middle of the road or terrible altogether. So, But completely expect uh, this podcast to be very angry yeah. for at least two episodes. Oh, if he doesn't get in, I will be pissed at the Biden administration. <laughs> oh, absolutely. I will be pissed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he, he will be my, like, silver star of the Biden administration where I'm like, well, at least we got Andrew Yang in there. And if we don't, then what do I have to be happy about? You know, yeah. there's there's no, like the 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 Bernie team's already been excluded. I at least think Yang has a possibility of worming his way in. Uh, John Kerry got picked. Uh, what was he? The environmental secretary to the UN or some shit because he he did some half-assed policy thing with oh, AOC. Yeah. yeah. Yep. So instead of giving it to like Inslee or something, they mm -hmm. gave it to Kerry. So we'll see what shakes out. We'll keep you guys updated. Yeah, and um, I yeah. guess is that it on let's, our yeah, uh, Biden picks? It, I right? think that's it on like the general status of the government. There's going to be a transition on January 20th. We're going to get yeah. the Biden administration. So let's just see how it yeah. shakes out. And like most people have said, now is the time to fight. So being really annoying on Rahm Emanuel, being a fucking animal, it might have kept him out of the position. Of power. The position. So yeah. huh. keep the Biden administration honest because they're not going to pick good people. So just make them not yeah. pick the worst yeah, people. Exactly. Which they have yeah, exactly. Yeah, slotted a few. Yeah, of them. raise your voice if they do pick the worst people. Because yeah. sometimes it's enough. All right. Well, I mentioned Mike Morell. He's being uh, considered to retake his position as deputy director of the CIA, and um, I just wanted to. He, he felt like this was something appropriate to say to Charlie Rose in front of national television. So here's this. We need to make the the Iranians pay a price in Syria. We need to make the Russians pay a price. The other okay, thing I would need, do... We make them pay the price by killing... killing Russians? Yes. 
<laughs> and, and killing Iranians. Yes, covertly. So the, you don't tell the world about it, right? You don't stand oh my, up and say the rules, right? But you make sure they know it in Moscow and Tehran. The who, Here's the other oh thing I want to do. Here's the other thing I want to do. I want to go after. I want to go after those things that Assad sees as his personal power base, right? I want to scare Assad. So I want to. I want to um, go after his presidential guard. I want to bomb his offices in the middle of the night. So that happened about two years ago. Do you remember when his brother-in-law was? I want to destroy his presidential helicopters. I want to destroy his presidential helicopters. I want to make him think we're coming after him, right? Um, that sounds I'm not like advocating you're assassinating him. him. I'm not, av I'm not I'm advocating not that. <laughs> I'm advocating going after the, what he thinks is his power base, All right, and what he needs to survive. Yeah. I want him to think it's about. This is not going to end well for me, right? Mm. Um, I want to I put pressure on him. I want to put pressure on the Iranians. I want to put... So, yeah, that's the lovely person that we might rehire yeah. as deputy director of the CIA. Obviously, anytime nice. you're going to have a covert assassination attempt, you what you want to do is, is wink, wink, what we should do and not <laughs> confirm after is totally assassinate the royal guard but covertly covertly, covertly. that's like we're saying right here on national <laughs> yeah. television yes very covert oh god uh. i love the idea of some just like assassin's creed bullshit like he's just like totally covert no one will even know it you know like a little pop pop in the neck you hide in the bushes yeah like <laughs> i like don't uh it also is terrifying that like this is the head of the CIA or ex-head or whatever, mm -hmm. and he's saying what I want to do. Right. Not like yeah. what, Not what the I, government what I believe the administration should do yeah. or whatever. It's like, let me tell you just what my wet dream is for, <laughs> <laughs> for Assad. I just want to make him terrified. Oh, <laughs> Blow God. up his helicopter, shoot all his fun toys. Because we have the tools to do that. We, do, we can do it. <laughs> yeah. Now, they not only do stuff like this, uh, where they, uh, you know, the CIA, not the military, but yeah. the CIA will go after just whoever they want and whatever they want in whatever country. Yeah, the CIA essentially has carte blanche to do whatever the fuck they please outside the U.S. Yeah. Supposedly, they're not line, supposed you know. to do stuff in the U.S. Only the FBI yeah, is supposed to do Only the FBI, that, but the CIA yeah. is like... Nah. If I want to deal drugs in LA, I just might. Oh, now that you mention that, let's go to the next clip. This is uh, former CIA officer John Stockwell. Now, John Stockwell has since uh, leaving the CIA made it his life's work to uh, expose the crimes uh, against humanity that oh, and the there CIA are a lot is responsible for. <laughs> yeah. uh, and this is just one. Um, this is a, or I guess these, he mentions two here, so I'll, I'll just let him do the talking. Same thing for the Vietnam War, and we have extensive documentation of how the CIA was involved at every level, or the national security complex, because it's a very cooperative thing, into manipulating the nation into the Vietnam War. And we wound up creating the Golden Triangle in which the CIA, Air America airplanes, were flying in arms to our allies and flying back out with the heroin. We launched the, the largest, this is something that Jimmy Carter did, Admiral Turner brags about it, the, the operation uh, in Afghanistan. Biggest single operation, I'm told, the in the history fields. of the CIA's secret wars. <laughs> yep. And sure enough, very quickly we produced the Golden Crescent, which is still the largest source of heroin perhaps in the world today. Trying to summarize this third world war that the CIA, the US national security complex with the military all interwoven in it in many different ways, has been waging 
Let me just put it this way. The best heads that I coordinate with studying this thing, we count at least minimum figure six million people who've been killed in this long 40-year war that we've waged against the people of the third world. Six, 60, or six million. Six million. Six million people. It's also the beauty of the war on drugs. That's is, only up to 2,000 as well. Yeah. When it's, <laughs> the war on drugs is a war to keep other people from selling our drugs that right. we sell. Exactly. You know, it's a war to get hegemony over drugs. <laughs> it's a war on drugs, but it's not a war on ending drugs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the CIA is famous for drug dealing. Yeah. They're famous for the crack epidemic. They're famous Well, see, and they had they they were the only they're the only planes that fly internationally that can land anywhere that is not uh that doesn't have a built-in customs system. Yeah. And so they're the only ones who have the ability to do Bring this. in whatever the fuck they got. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, and he doesn't mention this in this clip, but he also mentions the uh cocaine being brought in from Costa Rica, Colombia, mm -hmm. and um and Nicaragua uh and all that kind yeah, of stuff. Like the little uh I forget what they call the bag, but it's like U.S. diplomats. Yeah. Not even U.S., just diplomats from wherever. You have a little bag that yeah. isn't searched by customs when you come And in the, the case of the CIA, it's whole plane. It's a whole fucking yeah. plane. Yeah. <laughs> a whole <laughs> fleet of planes, yeah. usually. Whatever yeah. the fuck you want. Yeah. Yeah. The, yeah. Now, the last one here, this is on uh, uh, our, one of our favorites, Laura Ingram's program. She brought mm -hmm. on another former uh, director of the CIA, uh, and he, this is, might be the most brazen one, talking about, she, she brought him on to talk about... More brazen than admitting you want to assassinate people. <laughs> yes, yeah, this, this one's great, because uh, she's, she's trying to do this whole yeah. thing like, here, do you want to lie to my viewers about... Yeah, about, they do this great thing of setting up a huge softball for them to just nail in the easiest way possible, and then they, they fuck don't. it up. No, yeah, literally, <laughs> he's, he's just, it's, I, I, I can't even clip. hear this one, it's so great. Have we ever tried to meddle in other countries' elections? Oh, probably, but uh, <laughs> it was for the good of the system in order to avoid the communists from taking yeah. over. For example, in Europe, uh, uh, in 47, 48, 49, uh, the Greeks and the Italians, we... We don't do CIA, that now, though. We don't mess around other people's well, elections, Can you do that? Do a Vine video on this former CIA director. Only for a very good cause in okay. the interests of democracy. All right, thanks for being here. It's always great to see you. <laughs> well, <laughs> Uh, well, I'm gonna start doing that whenever I'm like, yeah, oh. whenever you're caught in a lie. It works for the CIA director. Oh my god, for you. It's yeah, so like we've said before, oh though, it's like like with Russian meddling into us, like we meddle in everyone else's exactly. elections. So, and the, what Russians did is like the lowest level that we've ever done. Like we've done coup d'état. We've yeah. done our own military bringing in and cooing a government. Yeah. We've done where we sponsor uh, ethnic minorities sponsor, to rise like, up. like, essentially terrorist groups. Yeah, yeah, up, like yeah. in Nicaragua and a few mm -hmm. other places, like, very, very frequently. Yeah. And, and if you guys want to take a second, uh, our listeners, go to the Wikipedia page for U.S. involvement in regime change and just mm -hmm. see how long it takes you to scroll through that article. Yeah. It's absolutely Probably a good hour-long read. Yeah. It's, oh, yeah, it's I did not read the whole thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Just sitting here and scrolling as fast as I could, it, it, it definitely took me more than 30 yeah. seconds to get you from go, very top I, to I bottom. I would bring a mouse. Just yeah. <laughs> yeah. Use your laptop. Need that scroll You're going to get carpal tunnel. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, the CIA is pretty fucked. And, and, and the big thing is, like, the covert thing that they keep talking about. Yeah. It, it, how is that covert if you're literally mentioning it on air? 
Be, because it's plausible deniability, right? right this right. is the whole beauty of the CIA. It's like, maybe we did, maybe we didn't. Mm-hmm. And then 30, 40 years later, they'll get a Freedom of Information Act request and say, sure, yeah, totally we did. We yeah. totally planned. There was a sneak attack on Florida that we were going to blame on the Cubans. Whoopsie-daisies. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like... <laughs> and there's been, like, times, like, I think, like, three or four different points in history from the Eisenhower era on yeah. where um, the CIA has acted to basically affect U.S. legislation yeah. into how uh, the oversight of the CIA is done to where they've effectively negated it entirely. Yeah. There is none. There's no, the CIA no, can do whatever they got to They are includes, an yeah. absolutely I, I unaccountable think... body of mm-hmm. people acting whatever they think also is Also with a interest. really fun budget to do really fun stuff. Like, right, that gets increased yeah. year after year as yeah. well. I was say, it would be kind of, kind of cool job to be oh, the totally. CIA uh, director. So <laughs> now there's a little bit of oversight because the internet exists, right? But if, you're, if you were a CIA operator in like the 70s, 80s, you could just be like, hey, can I have $2 million to dose hookers with LSD and just kind of see what happens? Yeah. And I totally won't fuck them. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I definitely, definitely won't. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Pinky swear, not doing it. <laughs> like, uh, uh, that was the thing they did. A, they frequent, also, a yes. frequent practical joke in the office was to dose, dose people with like, LSD. A, like, interns or new employees or new officers of the CIA and just watch what happens. Yeah. Like, they, they had a big, they had a major, major, like, interest, almost an obsession yeah. with perfecting, like, the Manchurian candidate oh, kind of yeah. thing. That's MKUltra. Sleeper MK agent. Yeah, yeah. 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 MKUltra and uh, Operation Mockingbird yeah. is also kind of the same thing. Basically, they wanted to achieve mind control in such a subtle way that you could implant someone at the highest levels of government in a foreign yeah. country and then activate them as an assassin whenever There's they also to. a really funny, like, it was a back and forth with uh, the Russians in the 80s where, like, the Russians would claim to do something wild, so we'd have to invest in it to see if it was a real thing. <laughs> like, like we invested in, like, psychics to just, to just see. Because if it's like, if the like, Russians if are getting it, it, yeah, we have to have it, we too. We better have it. So we dump millions of dollars into, like, a dude who astral projects himself to Mars and tells us about their cool civilization 10,000 years ago. Like, watched, also a real thing. <laughs> I watched a whole thing on that. That was uh, pretty interesting. Yeah. Like, they, they funnel a ton of money in. And, you know, I think with any CIA project, I think the CIA needs a slogan. Yeah. And I think that slogan should be whoopsie daisies. Yeah. <laughs> Every single like a, thing. Like a, there's like a lot of fuck ups Like here. a girl running over yeah. a curb. Yeah. Oops. Oops. <laughs> like, you got us. <laughs> no matter what happens, what the CIA has done, they're whoopsie daisies. It yeah. covers it. That's like yeah. whoopsie daisies. Well, and they get some like quote unquote wins on things they think are winning. But then you have this pile of bullshit behind it that's yeah. just, like, obscene. Like, if the public reports of what the CIA has done, then they should really change it to the Central Incompetence Agency. But oh, we yeah. know it's not true. That Everything that, you're, that you see on that level yeah. of, like, their press releases, and especially anything modern. Yeah. Anything that's happening now that well, the CIA Well, I think CIA they're trying to, like, recover their, I- their image. Right. Because you're getting all these, like, tell-alls and stuff that yeah. are just, like, telling you all the wild shit they did back in the day. Mm-hmm. They just want to be like, no, we're not the CIA of acid cats anymore, you know? Like, <laughs> <laughs> we actually do good research overseas and something. We help people, yeah. really. Yep. But we also do some crazy stuff, but whoopsie-daisies. Yeah, whoopsie-daisies. Yeah. <laughs> you got there, us. There's almost no conflict in the world that they didn't have their hands in at some point yeah. during the conflict. Yeah. There's always They always have to analyze the power dynamics of any conflict and decide, 
well, where we put our thumb on the scale. <laughs> this guy's going to give us a little bit yeah. better oil rates and let us buy all the oil fields. So. Like we also funded Al-Qaeda it, it, and gave them weapons yep. so they could fight against the Russians. That was what the Mujahideen yeah, was. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, because they were freedom fighters against the Ruskies, mm -hmm. and then whoopsie-daisies 30 years later. Now they're freedom fighters against yeah. us. Uh -oh. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Fuck. That's just another one of their whoopsies. You know? like, <laughs> like how they erased the, the brave Mujahideen fighters clip at the or, yeah. or screenshot at the end of like Rocky one or two or whatever one. Yeah, I don't. They I don't, they literally on the so original. Funny. If you have like the original VHS DC, yeah. version of like I, I think it's Rocky, I think it might have even been Rocky one. The very last thing this film was dedicated to the brave Mujahideen fighters of <laughs> Afghanistan <laughs> in their uh, valiant fight for freedom or something like yeah. that. And now it's just gone after nine eleven. They, they are just, Al Qaeda. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> after two thousand one, they're like no more. Yeah, don't want to be tied to that Osama bin Laden guy anymore. <laughs> That was a whoopsie. And like uh, uh, like Nick said, with like the drug trade, like they essentially invested in and like heavily funded the heroin trade out of Afghanistan mm -hmm. so that, I mean, essentially they just wanted only their money involved in that. So they had like essentially like a monopoly on heroin. And then it turns out we have an opioid epidemic in America yeah. and that's just another whoopsie. Yeah, you know? imagine being a troop and just like, why am I guarding a poppy field. Yeah, right? Yeah, fuck? exactly. Like, <laughs> what the fuck is this about? Well, and I think this is just more fun things to, that will go when we talk conspiracies. You yeah, know, this, we, is a, this is a we've teaser. We've talked about... We're going to have a new podcast segment where one of us, or maybe all three of us, just depending on how big the conspiracy is, just like do it a straight-up deep dive. Like, learn everything about it, right? Yep. And I think this might be a fun one because I don't think a lot of people realize oh, that the CIA even is going to be like four episodes. The CIA, <laughs> but like <laughs> at least talking Al Qaeda and stuff like that, that like Osama bin Laden was in the New York Times or something in 96 or something yeah. like yeah, that. Yeah, that's yes. that was yeah, when yeah. they were referred to. They had an article about the brave Mujahideen fighters. Well, yeah, yeah. And he, he well, had even abandoned that, his family and the Saudi royalty and all that. Building and, that ro the road, I forget what uh, what road it was, but. Osama bin Laden was responsible for building a big road and oh the Ring Road the Ring Road yeah. rebuilding the Ring Road and everyone was like oh how great is he and it was in the fucking Times and then all of a sudden 9/11 happens and everyone yeah. forgets about if, that if right you, if you want anything else to discredit the New York Times there was a uh, an editorial er, editorial praising Hitler in 1929 yeah. for his bravery in speaking out against the corruption of the uh, of the modern German government at the time. So um, they are always smart cookies there at they the got New York some bad Times. Ones. They got so, some bad takes. <laughs> I guess more of the story is if you read an article about some new person that you've never heard about in the Times, yeah. maybe give it five years. Really they anywhere. Might, Not even yeah. the Times. WAPO. The yeah. absolute worst person on the yeah. planet. Yep. Well, I think that's it for this one. We're going to save some of the deeper digs into this type of stuff. MK Ultra, uh, Operation yeah. Mockingbird, all that stuff. We've got Operation we've got Paperclip, Paperclip, one of the best. Operation Popeye, <laughs> fantastic one. Oh, and, There's uh, so many. Yeah, all that stuff. We've got a lot coming at you. We'll probably do like two a month or so. Yeah. And um, they'll be released originally to our patrons. Exactly. Yeah, there we go. No matter what level, you'll get access. Cool. <laughs> well, John, you got a reading series for us, right? I do have a reading series. Let's I'm excited. It. This okay. is my favorite. This is my actual personal life coach that you're about to talk personal about. Personal life so, coach. Yeah, so. Uh, he was trending earlier this week. His name is Jordan Peterson. If you haven't heard of him, good for you. Keep it that way. <laughs> <laughs> um, he wrote a famous quote-unquote philosophy slash psychology book called Maps of Meaning, and that's kind of how he blew up, uh, where he just 
said some mumbled garbage. Or when you lose yeah. meaning, you have nothing else yeah. to strive for. You're yeah. lost in an abyss. And then he he wrote a, a book called 12 Rules for Life, which in fairness, they're pretty simple, like cool rules or whatever, you know? Like, yeah. But that's not like you can intellectually pick up the, groundbreaking, you can pick you know? You up in the self-help yeah. section of self-help any bookstore. Book self-help yeah. bookstore. Yeah. Uh, and he really rose to fame uh, opposing a transgender bill in Canada. By misinterpreting it. By misinterpreting it. <laughs> where he claimed that if he misgenders one of his students, oh, he's a professor of psychology? Psychology, yes. At uh, Toronto University. University. Yep, yep. Um, he claimed the bill said if he misgenders his students, he could be put in jail, and that wasn't in the bill. Because nope. yeah, that's a very it's a very basic bill. The bill just says, hey, if you maliciously and yeah. and use it, it, it's the same thing. It was the same it thing just we did. Where it was the protection just, yeah. of like you can't call you can't, you can't evict use the someone because they're transgender. Yeah, you, you can't use the N-word or even, I don't even think employee. it covered that. Yeah. But it was like an employee or something. Yeah, well, yeah. it's like protected classes. Yeah, protected it's, classes. All it is is expanded that yeah. to trans because it hadn't been yeah. in Canadian law before. So he. He was trending earlier this week because he wrote a follow-up on his 12 Rules for Life, which is called 12 More Rules for Life. When did he? Where did he come up with <laughs> the that? The most creative title. <laughs> wow. Um, That's groundbreaking. And in fairness to the right wing, it started trending because the people at Penguin Publishing supposedly, like, had a press conference where they were, like... Uh, a video chat with their bosses at the at the publishing company where some employees were in tears that they were even publishing this book from a transphobe or whatever. Uh, while they also published Mein Kampf, so <laughs> maybe you should look at your publisher before you decide to cry about a, rule, a book by Jordan Peterson. But I figured we'd do a deep dive into Jordan Peterson, and he's one of those guys who, if you hear him talk, you might be like, huh, that guy sounds smart. <laughs> and then you look at what he actually said, and you say... Huh, that made anything. absolutely zero sense. <laughs> so so this is an article by Nathan J. Robinson, shout out. Uh, it's called... Current, the, current Affairs, right? Uh, I think so, yeah. Yep. It's called The Intellectual We Deserve. Jordan Peterson's popularity is the sign of a deep, deeply impoverished political and intellectual landscape. Okay, so it starts. If you want to appear very profound and convince people to take you seriously, but have nothing of value to say, there's a tried and tested method. First, take some extremely obvious platitude or truism. Make it actually, uh, make sure it actually does contain some insight, though it can be rather vague. Something like, if you're too conciliatory, you will sometimes get taken advantage of. Or, many moral values are similar across human societies. Then try to restate your platitude using as many words as possible, as unintelligibly as possible, while never repeating yourself exactly. Use highly technical language drawn from many different academic disciplines so that no one person will ever have adequate training to fully evaluate your work. (laughs) Construct elaborate theories with many parts. Draw diagrams. Uh, some of his diagrams are just batshit insane. So like, funny. The, the ramblings of a madman in like a psych ward. Like <laughs> it's like a dragon feeding like a Venn diagram and just like weird shit like that. Um, okay, <laughs> draw diagrams. Use italics liberally to indicate that you're using words in a highly specific and idiosyncratic sense. Never say anything too specific. And if you do, qualify it heavily so that you can always insist you meant the opposite. <laughs> then evangelize. Speak as confidently as possible. As if you are sharing God's own truth. They've taken me out of context <laughs> exactly. again. Yeah, no one can ever be criticized. <laughs> Except no criticisms. Insist that any skeptic has either misinterpreted you or has actually already admitted that you are correct. <laughs> Talk as much as possible and listen as little as possible. Follow these steps and your success will be assured. It does help if you are male and Caucasian. Who <laughs> 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 would have seen that a lot of grifters are male uh, and Caucasian. 
Okay, great. so it continues. Uh, and I've cut about half this out. It's a really great article if you want to go read the whole thing. They do a whole... Uh, there was a torturous segment that I... I they tell you not to read in advance because they... Uh, they copied a whole 17-minute lecture of Jordan Peterson word for word oh and God. printed it just so you – because you read it and it makes absolutely – like you know how Trump's uh, – when he's having a speech, you can kind of be like, okay, I guess that makes sense. But then if you see the written version, you're just like, what, what the fuck is what even going is on? Because the cadence yeah. can make it seem like, exactly. oh, yeah, it's yeah. just a, a flow of Because orally you can bullshit your way through things. It doesn't really make as much sense in writing. Okay. So it continues. Before we address, address the mystery of Peterson's popularity, we need to examine his work. After all, if the work is actually brilliant and insightful, there's no mystery. He is recognized as a profound thinker because he is a profound thinker. And many critics of Peterson have been deeply unfair to his work, mocking it without reading it or uh, slinging pejoratives at him, e.g. the stupid man smart person or a messiah come surrogate dad for gormless dimwits. <laughs> <laughs> This has irritated Peterson's fans, and when articles critical of him are printed, the comment sections are full of people, usually correctly, accusing the writer of failing to take Peterson ser seriously. An infamous Channel 4 interview with Kathy Newman, in which Newman repeatedly put words in Peterson's mouth, so you're saying X, confirmed the impression that progressives are trying to smear Peterson by, uh, by accusing him of holding beliefs that he does not hold. Connor Feisdorf of The Atlantic said Peterson is the victim of hyperbolic misinterpretation and encouraged people to examine what he is actually saying. But having examined Peterson's work closely, I think the misinterpretation of Peterson is only partially a result of leftists reading him through an ideological prism. An important reason why Peterson is misinterpreted is that he is so consistently vague and vacillating that it's impossible to tell what he's actually saying. Well, that's the, that's the perfect grip. Well, that's, yeah. that's, his, that's his mode. And that, yeah. like, Nathan nails it in this. They nails it, yeah. Basically, Basically, what he does is he'll make a descriptive claim yeah. where there's an obvious assumption. Yeah. Clearly, he's leading you to make your own prescriptive claim. Yeah. But he never says that. And so then when you, you say a bunch of words to make it sound smart. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So, so you then throw in like deontology mm -hmm. or like like you know just buzzwords. Yeah, yeah. like <laughs> Exactly. That no yeah. one know, like most people don't actually know the meaning of, but it sounds fancy. You right. Know? Yeah. It's absolutely just drenching yeah. it in sophistry yeah. to hide the like derangement of what he's actually saying. Either there's absolutely zero substance or it's deranged or it's saying something that like you don't need a book to tell you. Right. Like one of his 12 rules is pet a cat when you see one. Clean your room. Yeah. Stand up straight. <laughs> do, like, do you need chapters in a book that like tell you why that's a good thing or do we just generally agree like hey if you like animals petting a cat's probably good for your psychology or standing up straight is positive. Like, not many people yeah, would yeah, disagree yeah, with that. Yeah, no shit. But it takes a guy to, like like Peterson to write a, a few hundred a pages. Words yeah, about something like that. why your posture yeah, yeah. is changing your outlook <laughs> on life. <laughs> okay, so I'll continue. People can have such angry arguments about Peterson, seeing him as everything from a fascist, a fascist apologist to an Enlightenment liberal, because his vacuous words are kind of Rorschach test onto which countless interpretations can be projected. Yep. Like Nick was saying, you can listen to it and draw nine different conclusions. Yeah, it, it's it, and then he can deny every single one of them and say, you're misinterpreting my work. Which he does yeah. regular yeah yeah okay this is immediately apparent upon opening peterson's 1999 book maps of meaning a 600 page summary of his basic theories that took peterson 15 years to complete maps of meaning is to the extent it can be summarized about humans generate meaning by generate meaning peterson ostensibly means something like figure out how to act but the word's definition is somewhat capacious uh so here's some quotes Meaning is manifestation of the divine individual adaptive path. 
What does that mean? What? <laughs> Meaning is the ultimate balance between the chaos of transformation and the possibility and the discipline of pristine order. He loves talking about chaos. Yeah. It's one of his favorite Chaos versus things. discipline is it's like his, his shit. Uh, meaning is an expression of the instinct that guides us out into the unknown so that we can conquer it. What? Uh, I'm just gonna, there's like six more of those, but I'm just going to give a head because basically that gives you some examples. Yeah, he yeah. says something that sounds like it could be something. Yeah. That, that's the gist. Peterson's answer is that people figure out how to act by turning to a common set of stories, which contain archetypes that have developed over the course of our species' evolutions. He believes that by studying myths, we can see values and frameworks shared across cultures and can therefore understand the structures that guide us. But here I'm, giving, uh, here I'm already giving Peterson's work a more coherent summary than it actually deserves. And after all, if many human stories have common moral lessons was his point, he would have been saying something so obvious that nobody would think to credit it as a novel insight. Peterson manages to spin it out over hundreds of pages and expand it into an elaborate, unprovable, unfalsifiable, unintelligible theory that encompasses everything from the direction of history to the meaning of life to the nature of knowledge to the structure of human decision-making to the foundations of ethics. Uh, and then it has an ellipsis. A good principle to remember is that if a book p appears to be about everything, it's probably not really about anything. <laughs> <laughs> Which is true. I mean, yeah. you could just if ramble. Everything, yeah. If everything is mayhem, then nothing is exactly. mayhem. If everything is order, then nothing if is order. If you think you nailed the whole history of everything in 600 pages, you're probably wrong. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so now I'm going to read you some of Jordan Peterson's book, and it's going to be painful. Oh, this is the new one, or the uh, this is Maps of Meaning because oh, okay. it was because oh, Twelve yeah. Rules is just like man, Twelve Rules, yeah, whatever. Um, but this was his like magnum opus that he redefined society with. Uh, so it can uh, the article says a randomly suggested passage will convey the flavor of the thing. Quote: Procedural knowledge generated in the course of heroic behavior is not organized and integrated within the group and the individual as a consequence of simple accumulation. Procedure A, appropriate in situation one, and procedure B, appropriate in situation two, may clash in mutual violent opposition in situation three. Under such circumstances, intrapsychic and interpersonal conflict necessarily emerges. When such antagonism arises, moral reevaluation re becomes necessary as a consequence of such revolution. Behavioral options are bru brutally rank-ordered, or, less frequently, entire moral systems are devastated, reorganized, and replaced. This organization and reorganization occurs as a consequence of, quote, war in its concrete, abstract, intrapsychic, and interpersonal variants. In the most basic case... Uh, this continues wrong. Did any of you guys understand any of that? I just had a yeah. stroke. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that continues for a long, a lot longer, and I'm not gonna put you guys through that. But Thank but you that's for the gist. There. <laughs> that's the gist of it, right? You say yeah. a lot of things, and like that first sentence where it's like, "What you do in situation A and what you do in situation B can both be correct, but if you do in situation C, it might not be." <laughs> Like, that makes sense, right? But it's just like, why do you yeah. need... Like, that's a very simple idea. Like, what you do in situation one and situation two might both be right, but in situation three, they're not right. Right. Yeah. Like, that makes sense. But then you go into inner psychic and interpersonal and war and what... Like, you just keep mumbling and jumbling until you feel dumb as the reader. So you're, like, listening to his, yeah. like, authority exactly. that he's generated exactly. for you. Jordan Peterson is just... He, he's like, 
if your aunt who believes that her cat is her grandmother in like human form yeah uh, had, had, two a, had, had, a, had a book yeah exactly, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah and knew all these fun buzzwords yeah yeah because <laughs> then you look at it and you're just like well the next paragraph of the article explains it What's important about this kind of writing is that it can easily appear to contain useful insight because it says many things that are either either are true or feel kind of true mm -hmm. and does so in a way that makes the reader feel stupid for not really understanding. Many of the book's reviews on Amazon contain sentiments like, I'm not sure I understood it, but it's absolutely brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> it's not that it's empty of content. In fact, it's precisely become of some of it does ring true that it is able to convince readers of its importance. So it's like what we just saying. Yeah. You put a few truisms in there, yep. you speckle them in with a bunch of other garbage, and then you're like, man, I just didn't get it, but it... It felt right, you know? <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Kind of a little bit reminds me of uh, QAnon. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it just feels right on some level. Yeah. And you Someone nail else knows, yeah. so I don't have to know. Exactly. Yeah. And you pepper in a few true facts, like there are pedophiles and rich people get away with everything, and then you spin it into this wild conspiracy theory. Right. That's what Jordan Peterson does with his books. Exactly. Okay. Obscurantism is more than a desperate attempt to feign... Novelty, though. It is also a tactic for badgering readers into deference to the writer's authority. Nobody can can be sure they're comprehending the author's meaning, which has the effect of making the reader feel deeply inferior and in awe of the writer's towering knowledge. Knowledge that must exist on a level so much higher than that of ordinary mortals that we are incapable of be even beginning to appreciate it. In fact, Peterson is quite open insisting that he has achieved revelations beyond the comprehension of ordinary persons. The book's epigraph is comically grandiose. I will utter things which have been kept secret from the foundation of the world. <laughs> and Peterson even includes in his book a letter to his father in which he tries to con convey the gravity of his discovery. I don't know, Dad, but I think I have discovered something that no one else has any idea about, and I'm not sure I can do it justice. Its scope is so broad that I can see only parts of it clearly at one time, and it is exceedingly difficult to set down comprehensibly in writing. Yes, we know, Jordan. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, I'm glad you and Mom are doing well. Thank you for doing my income tax returns. <laughs> uh. It's like the Nathan for you tweet where, yeah. where he was like, I'm just laughing with all of my friends yeah. who are just outside of the frame of the camera. <laughs> <laughs> or if you've ever done like LSD or shrooms with friends and you think you've realized some grand truth about reality and then you come down you and you're wake just up like, and you're like uh, damn. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, I'm just still me. I had one where I thought it was the most crazy idea because I was high on an LSD and I was like, damn. And something made a sound in the bushes and I was like, damn, if that's like an animal, I should probably like growl at it. And if it's like a person, if I growl, it'll make me seem like an idiot. So like, it's weird that humans have different language than all the rest of the animals. And I thought it was like, yeah, it was, when I was tripping on acid, it was the most like, I was like, damn, that's so crazy. Like I, I figured I it out. I thought of yeah. this before. <laughs> and I came down, I was like, yeah, animals communicate differently. You got it, you got it, bud. You know, like, nice. Yeah. Like John that's, discovers <laughs> linguistics. That's how reading Peterson feels sometimes. It's like yeah. you're talking to a friend on acid. He's like, no, I put it all together, man. You just don't get it. We're like, all the same energy. Yeah. <laughs> we just each have our own yeah. unique look. We're all the same being, but we're separate beings. Like, you get it? That's why we can communicate yeah. with each other so well. More to the story, don't buy Jordan Peterson shit. <laughs> yeah. Just do LSD. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. You'll get the same shit out of it. <laughs> okay. 
So continuing, the inflating of the obvious into an awe-inspiring is part of why Peterson can operate so successfully in the self-help genre. He can give people the most elementary fatherly life advice, clean your room, stand up straight, while <laughs> making it sound like wisdom. Consider this summary of principles from the end of 12 Rules for Life. What shall I do to strengthen my spirit? Do not tell lies or do, or do what you despise. What shall I do to enable my body? Use it only in the service of my soul. What shall I do with the most difficult of questions? Consider them the gateway to the path of life. What shall I do with the poor man's plight? Strive through right example to lift his broken, his broken heart. That one's also funny because it's like, what should I do with poor people? I'll just live a better life and they'll feel so good they'll have to follow. <laughs> That's great. Set an example for yeah. them. And they will follow. <laughs> what shall I do when the great crowd beckons? Stand tall and utter my broken truths. These are pompous biblical ways of saying tell the truth, be true to yourself, see challenges, opportunities, set a good example, and uh, give confident and long winded lectures to your adoring crowds of fans. <laughs> and, uh, Peterson's writing style constantly adds convolutions to disguise the simplicity of his mind. So he won't say the man's cancer metastasized, he will say the man fell prey to the tendency of that dread condition to metastasize. The harder people have to work to figure out what you're saying, the more accomplished they'll feel when they figure it out, and the more sophisticated you will appear. Everyone wins. A few of Petersonisms. There is no being without imperfection. The author goes, no shit. <laughs> <laughs> to, to share does not mean to give away something you value and get nothing back. That is instead what every child who refuses to share fears it means. To share means properly to initiate the process of trade. Could mean anything, doesn't mean anything. <laughs> you can't make rules for the exceptional, author responds, by definition. <laughs> the future's the place of all potential monsters. The future's the place for all potential everything, the author responds. <laughs> People do not care whether or not they succeed. They care about whether or not they fail. The author responds, which is apparently different. <laughs> People aren't after happiness. They're after not hurting. I'm actually after happiness, thanks. The author responds. <laughs> uh, okay. So the multiplicity of possible interpretations is very important. It makes it almost impossible to beat Peterson in an argument because every time one attempts to force him to defend a proposition, he can insist he means something else. For example, he sees the world as fundamentally divided between the forces of chaos and the forces of order and explains the difference, what Nick was talking about earlier. <laughs> Quote from Peterson. Chaos is, and these are really painful, guys, I'm sorry. Chaos is what extends, eternally and without limit, beyond the boundaries of all states, all ideas, and all disciplines. It's the foreigner, the stranger, the member of another gang, the rustle in the bushes, the hidden anger of your mother. Chaos is symbol symbolically associated with the feminine. Order, by contrast, is explored territory. That's the hundreds of millions of years old hierarchy of place, position, and authority. That's the structure of society. It's the structure provided by biology, too. It's the flag of the nation. It's the greatness of tradition, the rows of desks in the school classroom, the trains that leave on time. In the domain of order, things behave as God intended. Oh, uh, my God. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I, you did not warn me enough how painful no, that was going to be. No, just saying you're like chaos is the opposite of order, but then also tying it to like feminine, feminine and, and then masculine. order to the flag and yeah. trains. And it's just like, what are you even saying? I yeah. just had a second stroke. Yeah. <laughs> okay, we're, we're getting close to the end. Oh, God. Okay, so this is back to the author. 
Uh, it's very easy to hear the echoes of authoritarianism, even fascism in this. Strong men create order, which is what God intends, and the social structure is preserved by deference to authority, tradition, hierarchy, flags. Heck, he even talks about trains running a ton. But the moment one tries to critique this, to talk about the dangers of adhering to flags and traditions for their own sake, Peterson will angrily insist that you have misunderstood his theory. Order is symbiotic with chaos, not superior toward it. The feminine is necessary as well, because chaos is associated with possibility itself, the source of ideas and the mysterious realm of gestation and birth. If you try to suggest that he has just justified patriarchy, he will tell you that when he refers to symbolically masculine, he does not mean men. Okay. Yeah, it's just symbolically masculine. Guys. You were the one who tied it you to tied men. You tied it to gender. Yeah. Come on. Yeah. I didn't make it a gender thing. I didn't make it a gender thing. Uh, but it's usually unclear what he does mean, and any attempt to figure it out will be met with a barrage of yet more jargon. What, for example, are we to make of his interpretation of The Simpsons, uh, which stresses the importance of having a cruel bully around to keep the soft, effeminate kids from taking over? Uh, I think you'll like this one, Nick, because you are a Simpson, sir. Without Nelson, king of the bullies, the school would have been soon overrun by resentful, touchy millhouses, narcissistic, <laughs> intellectual Martin princes, soft, chocolate-gorging German children, and infantile Ralph Wiggums. Oh, my God. <laughs> Mutes is corrective. <laughs> An endorsement for bullying the weak, surely, but Peterson would deny it. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, God. Uh, okay, so then I cut out this whole segment because we kind of talked about it before, but uh, Peterson's rise to fame was through his anti-transgender shit, and he blew up on, like, the right-wing anals of YouTube, you know, mm -hmm. where you, like, watch the Own the Live videos and shit like yep. that. Um, so that's where he got really famous, and then this next section is about Peterson's politics. Uh, in fact, Peterson doesn't seem to really understand what politics are to begin with. He says he is against ideology, despite constantly opining on social questions by applying an elaborate personal theory of everything. When a questioner asked him what he thought people should do to affect change, given his uh, opposition to student activism, his answer was telling. Quote from Peterson. You know, this happened in the 60s, as far as I can mm -hmm. tell, that we got this misbegotten idea that the way to conduct yourself as a, as a responsible human being was to hold placards up to protest, to change the viewpoints of other people and thereby usher in the utopia. It's like, I think, I think that's all appalling. I think it's appalling and, and I think it's absolutely, it's, it's absolutely absurd that students are taught that that's the way to mm -hmm. conduct themselves in the world. First of all, if you're 19 or 20 or 21, you don't bloody well know anything. You haven't done anything. <laughs> you don't know anything about history. You haven't read anything. You haven't supported yourself for any length of time. You've been entirely dependent on your state and on your family. For the, for the brief few years of your existence, and the idea that you have enough wisdom to determine how society should be reconstructed when you're sitting in the absolute lap of luxury protected by, mm -hmm. by, by processes that you don't understand is absolutely, I mean, it's... Mm -hmm. Okay, so that's a bad, let's call that a bad idea. Sure. Shall we? <laughs> and, then we and then the idea that what you should do to change the world is to find people who you disagree with and shake paper on sticks at them and call them names is mm. also... So yeah, he's talking about the civil rights movement. Right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Where we really went wrong was the 60s when people started realizing they had rights. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> people realized they could affect change by putting things on sticks and marching in large numbers. It was really fucked, man. Mm. <laughs> If your room is dirty, you shouldn't be out in the street telling <laughs> yeah. the country that their room is dirty. You should uh, clean your own God. room. That's, that's where he is. 
Okay, so the, the author of the article continues, Activism, then, is arrogant brats holding paper on sticks. <laughs> a peculiar and appalling phenomenon, he believes, started in the 60s. Never mind that what he's talking about is more commonly known as the Civil Rights Movement. <laughs> and the paper on sticks said, We shall overcome, and end segregated schools on them. And never mind that it worked, and was one of the most morally important events of the 20th century. Peterson, who's apparently an alien to whom political action is an unfathomable mystery, thinks it's been nothing but 50 years of childish virtue signaling. The <laughs> activists against the Vietnam War spent years trying to stop a horrific atrocity that killed a million people and had a very significant effect in drawing attention to that atrocity and finally bringing it to a close. But the students are the ones who don't know anything about history. <laughs> Here's where Peterson's self-help routine connects with his policies. Peterson seemingly discourages all serious political movement. He says cultivating, and, uh, cultivating the self and reading great books is more important than any possible political action. Don't focus on changing the world. Focus on tidying up your life. After all, the meaning of life is to be found in the adoption of individual responsibility. And when you win everything, everyone around you wins too because it means means you shine a light on the whole world. 12 Rules for Life <laughs> makes it explicit. Stop questioning the social order. Stop assigning blames for problems to political actors. Stop trying to reorganize things. When, 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 when Jeff Bezos reaches $200 billion, yeah. he shines his light on the whole world. And I just feel better, you know? I just feel the warmth and energy yeah. em emanating from him. Yeah, it, it's, it's like that one clip with uh, Mr. Wonderful or whatever from uh, uh, Shark, Shark Tank. Tank. Yeah. He had an interview on TV where the lady was like, so now there's uh, 1% of people who own as much wealth as the bottom 50% of the world. Do you think that's a good thing? And he was like, of course that's a good thing. It just inspires them to pull themselves up by their bootstraps more. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. That's, that's Jordan Peterson's answer. And like I'm Nick said earlier, inspired. yeah, Jordan Peterson basically says, don't go out and participate in trying to change politics until everything in your life is perfect. Mm -hmm. And because... Everything in your life can never be perfect. There's never a time. There's that it's never okay a time. For you to do yeah, that. exactly, exactly. <laughs> that that's the the like the gist of his policies is don't get involved. Society's rules yourself. are as they are. Focus on themselves, despite the fact that society's rules change all the time. Yeah, and yeah. that's why we do a politics podcast is because. Being involved in the political process is important because Jeff Bezos is into politics. He probably spends a couple hundred million a year on politics. Yeah, the rich yeah. are very engaged in the class war. Yeah. And we just want to inform people that they're in one. Yeah, you're so in one. So that they can exactly. engage themselves. Yeah. yeah. And Jordan Peterson's whole shtick is just stay out of it, you know? Social order is <laughs> the way it is. <laughs> oh, man. Okay, so I'm on the last two paragraphs. Um, and uh, he gets into... Uh, Nathan J. Robinson gets into why Jordan B or Jordan Peterson is the way he is. <laughs> oh, wait, let's that see. could be a whole book in itself. <laughs> it's more about the intellectual we deserve, right? Like where society is at right now. Yeah. This is who we get. Yeah, this is yeah. this is what we are. Okay. So why is Jordan's, Jordan Peterson's combination of drivel and cliche attracting millions of followers? Some of it is probably because alt-right guys like that he gives a seemingly scientific justification for the dis dislike of social justice warriors. <laughs> Some of it is just that self-help always sells. Another part of it, though, is that ac academics have been cloistered and unhelpful, and the left has failed to offer people a coherent political alternative. Jordan Peterson is right that people are drift and in need of meaning, which we talk about on this show all the time. Yeah. Society's fucked. Everyone's looking for answers. Yep. And some people turn to QAnon or Jordan Peterson just because we need some, to get better at telling yeah, stories yeah. that make sense to them. Yeah, and someone's offering answers and they latch on to it. Right. 
So Jordan Peterson is right that people are adrift and in need of meaning. Many of them lap up his lectures because he offers something resembling insight and promises the secrets to a good life. It's not actually insight, of course. It's stuff everybody already knows, dressed up in gobbledygook. But it feels like something. Tabitha Tabitha Southey was cruel to call Jordan Peterson the stupid man smart person. He is the desperate man smart person. He feeds on angst and confusion. Who else has a serious alternative? Where are the other professors with accessible and compelling YouTube channels, with books of helpful advice and long Q&A sessions with the public? No wonder Peterson is so popular. He comes along and offers rules and guidance in a world of, well, chaos. Just leave it to dad. Everything will be all right. This is a fruitless path, though. That's not just because Peterson is a charlatan. If he was just offering up his brand of hearty intellectual stew, as the Chronicle of Higher Education called it, going around sprinkling in ideas from philosophy, fiction, religion, neuroscience, and a disturbing dream his five-year-old nephew had one time, we could just laugh at him. (laughs) But the Peterson way is not just futile because it's pointless. It's futile because ultimately you can't escape politics. Our lives are conditioned by economic and political systems, like it or not. And by telling lost people to abandon projects for social change, one permanently guarantees they will be helpless victims of forces beyond their control or understanding. The genuinely heroic path in life is to band with others to pursue the social good, to find meaning in the collective human striving to better our condition. No, not by abandoning the idea of the individual and seeing the world purely in terms of group identity, but by pooling our individual talents and efforts to produce a better, fairer, and more beautiful world. This much should be obvious from even a cursory reading of him. If Jordan Peterson is the most influential intellectual in the Western world, the Western world has lost its damn mind. And since Jordan Peterson does indeed have a good claim to being the most influential intellectual in the Western world, we need to think seriously about what has gone wrong. What have we done to end up with this man? His success is our failure, and while it's easy to scoff at him, it's more important to inquire into how we got to this point. He is a symptom. He shows a cultural bereft of ideas, a politics without inspiration or principle. Jordan Peterson may not be the intellectual we want, but he's probably the intellectual we deserve. True. I mean, that's where we're at. Yeah. Society has birthed this through years of venerating uh, intellectuals who catch ears. Yeah. I mean, when, you're, when your ability to make sense to the average person relies on your ability to speak like you know better than them and speak yeah. down to them in the oh, way yeah. that Nathan was talking yeah. about there, this is, of course, what we're going to get. Yeah. Like, uh, I mean, Hitchens was the same way. Yeah. He's... he's been in four different corners of the political compass yeah. and through the through his lifetime before he died and by the end he was just an apologist for Iraq war yeah. crimes and stuff like <laughs> yeah. that like he yeah. that's just what we get and and I think that's right we I also do want to mention yeah real quick that clip that I showed you guys uh, the other night on on Friday I think um, <coughs> the all meat diet yeah one. so so God. Jordan has a daughter Michaela Peterson uh, who has taken it upon herself to create a, a diet that um, supposedly cures depression and disease <laughs> with meat only. So a 100% meat diet. That no carbs, sounds, yeah. no starch, no vegetables, no fruit. But they no fruit. eat the carbs and the starch, and then I eat them. So right. it's like a trickle up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, they, yeah. They're eating <laughs> it the all makes sense. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> They're not eating only corn. <laughs> so they, they, they have this, this meat diet that they did, 
and it almost killed Jordan Peterson. Yeah. He was hospitalized. Yeah, it turns I out mean, you can't eat all one thing all the time. <laughs> your body's just not meant for that. That should be one of his 12 rules. <laughs> Don't eat all one thing every time. <laughs> and so he's sitting in this interview, and the, and the woman across the chair from him is lo- just looks at him and is like, Are you still eating your all-beef diet? Unfortunately, yes. <laughs> just broken man. Just, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, if this is your genius, if this is your God... But I think that the fairness twice. at the end of the article is that the left is bad at offering alternative solutions, and the further we get into, like, a like uh, a culture war as opposed to a class war, right. then he is the opposition in the culture war, which some people agree with. SJWs are annoying sometimes or whatever. So people latch onto that, and then they just swallow the pills of accept society the way it is, right. and we'll own the libs together. Yep. And then slow, before you know it, you're like a fascist who thinks Bezos' wealth is actually heroic. Right. You know? <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And there's no one on the left who's like, huh, Maybe, maybe it's like I don't know. Like we're bad at crafting narratives. Yeah, that's oh, really totally. what it is. Oh, totally. There's there's grand narratives in Jordan Peterson thought. And we have so much infighting on the left. Oh yeah, it, we could never have a Jordan Peterson on the left because half the people would hate him and half the people would worship him. Right. And that, like that's just, right. the, just the, the beauty of the left. Yeah. yeah. So I don't know. I I think that the point though is like some people need to step up and start making like leftist ideas like intellectually palatable right you know you can use the same mechanisms too that he does oh yeah you can you can make it sound like you know things that they don't but also actually give them insight that changes the way that they operate rather than making them think oh well i just better believe everything this person says you can soft pill them into thinking or like there there was that meme that blew up a couple weeks ago that was like uh, it was like one of those pro-con kind of memes, and it was like, how my family reacts when I'm talking socialist policies, and everyone's like super happy and stoked, and then it's like, how my family reacts when I talk about socialism, and it's yeah. like, Ugh. yeah. <laughs> but if you're just like, hey, wouldn't it be great to not get fucked over by insurance companies yeah. and just like all go in together to pay for insurance together? Yeah. A lot of people are like, yeah, you know, that makes sense. Like, why do I have a middleman? And then you're like... Medicare for all. Yeah. <laughs> like, no, that's the worst. You're stealing my health care. Or if you're like, oh, man, your uncle who talks about gang violence all the time, if you were talking, if you mentioned to him, like, yeah. man, wouldn't it be great if the children weren't left home alone because oh, yeah. their mom couldn't afford childcare for yeah. six years of their life? Yeah, or just like another policy like that where you're just yeah. like, if we took care of kids and had a more stable home environment, statistics show uh, that like they, there's 20% less chance of prison or whatever, and we right. save money by investing in the communities, mm-hmm. you know? And then when you tie it to like social, like social welfare programs like no why are my taxes paying for it and it's like well you're getting the money back we're just investing more on the front end so you pay, so you pay you less on the back this. end yeah exactly yeah. so so yeah. no one doesn't break into your car yeah. when you park in the wrong exactly. side of burbank or something i think it's I just know. about learning how to pitch those things or like a, a good tactic i've used is just like shit's completely fucked right yeah we all agree let's 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 do both of our policies and just see what shakes out yeah because I don't care. I just want something different. Right. You know, like a lot of people have the feudalistic attitude, so you just play on that. And you're like, yeah, yeah well, we both agree status quo blows dick. So let's just try something different. You get to go, I get to go, we'll see what happens. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that's the reading series. Jordan Peterson, 12 Rules for Life from what I've seen. Oh, do you want me to read the 12 Rules? Because they're... I, I, I did that at some point, but I want I, I don't remember it. Too. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so these are the 12 rules. And it goes back to what we are saying. Very simple rules, very easy shit. Uh, but then you have to write a 400-page book about it. Right. So rule number one, stand up straight with your shoulders straight. Cool. Uh, number two, treat yourself like someone you are responsible for helping. Makes sense. 
Uh, rule number three, befriend people who want the best for you. Don't be friends with scumbags. Cool. Yeah. Good rule. Four, compare yourself to who you were yesterday, not the useless person you are today. That sounds mean, yeah, but, but, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but but I like the the whole quote of like don't compare yourself to others, compare, compare yourself to, to you yesterday, yeah, whatever. Exactly. You can kind of read that into it. Five, do not let your children do anything that makes you dislike them. That sounds a little authoritarian That's as a, a parent, weird, but, but I'm yeah. not a parent, so hey, fair enough. Uh, six, set your house in order before you criticize the world. That's what we were talking about that you can't do. Yeah, not a thing. <laughs> Feel free to criticize the world whenever you want. Yep. <laughs> Seven, pursue what is meaningful, not what is expedient. Good rule. Have yeah. a plan. Pursue what you want. Uh, rule number eight: Tell the truth, or at least don't lie. I so kind of white lies. Yeah, what people don't know lie will hurt by them. Omission. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but also just tell the truth. I guess whatever. Uh, rule number nine: Assume the person you are listening to knows something you don't. That's a good rule. Mm-hmm. You know, even an idiot knows something yeah. sometimes. Um, Ten. I, I live by that rule. Be precise in your speech. Not doing that one, Jordan. Yeah, I was going to say. Really not owning that one. Read read rule number 10, Jordan. (laughs) Uh, uh, 11, do not bother children while they are skateboarding. Good rule. Let the kids skate, man. I was a skateboarder. Let me jump down those stairs. He did have a whole, there was a whole arc of his where he's like, they used to let kids have snowball fights in the yard, and now oh, a yeah. kid will throw a snowball. It's and like, then my he kid's will, not even allowed to pick up snow from the ground. Feels, like, that, really he, will, he will resent authority for the yeah. rest of his life. <laughs> At rule number 12, pet a cat when you encounter one in the street. <laughs> yes I have a local no. neighborhood cat. I mean, if you should try. Nice Cats cat, aren't like I... aggressive, though. So like, if a, I feel like if a cat doesn't want to deal with your shit, it'll run away. Sometimes a dog will trick you, where it's mm-hmm. like you go up and think it's a friendly dog, and then it's like, got him. Gotcha. Ah. Yeah. <laughs> Surprise attack, bitch. But You're cat, the food. Yeah. <laughs> but cats generally, if they don't want to deal with your shit, they're gone before you can catch them. <laughs> so yeah, those are the twelve rules for life. I'm interested to see what the twelve more rules are. Yeah, that'll be interesting. Yeah. So that was a slightly longer segment than I thought it was going to be, but uh, I'm going to toss it over to McLean. He's going to give us a dystopia drive-by. Let us know what we have to be upset about in the world, and I think we'll be good. All right. So there's a couple things to be upset about, and there's a couple things to be like, ha, you know. Um, so I guess it's kind of a, uh, just a hodgepodge of everything, right? So we're going to talk a little bit about Aquaman 2, Comcast, Damn. Rona, and some Star Wars. Did you hear the Aquaman 2 where they were just like, just replace Amber Heard with Johnny Depp in a wig? Yes, get... that is this. <laughs> Let her get her comeuppance. I'll buy it. <laughs> like, I'll go see the movie. There has That's been so one and a half million signatures on a no petition way. to do that. And it's growing. I it, would be so down. It's like, what's that website where you... Change.org. Change.org. It's yeah. like in the top 20 on That's Change.org crazy. right now. I've also so, always wanted a movie just to do something like buck wild ridiculous and then just not acknowledge it like (laughs) (laughs) just have johnny depp in a wig just playing the main love interest and then never acknowledge it and have what's his face jason momoa just like play like deeply in love with johnny depp like 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 johnny depp's the sexiest woman on the earth and it's just johnny depp (laughs) (laughs) i always thought that would be so gold just do something wild like that yeah or i always thought it'd be like really funny to have like a funny movie and then just turn it into a horror movie in like the last 20 minutes and everyone just gets like chainsaw massacred (laughs) (laughs) just like a steep turn just change of direction watch sausage party then (laughs) uh next one Comcast. 
whatever you're gonna say about Comcast, fuck Comcast. <laughs> and it is fuck Comcast. Okay, cool. Comcast, Comcast got one billion in public subsidies, right? Surprise. Uh, they're now charging uh, higher public data fees. <laughs> did, did you hear that the government already paid all these uh, telecoms to build national broadband, right? And then the telecoms took the money and were just like, "Nah, fuck you." <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah <laughs> like, straight up, like, the telecoms basically did what the what they do to us to Congress, where they're just like, "What's your other plan, bitch?" <laughs> <laughs> they're like, "Fuck do you, something. Nevada's not do getting something. broadband." Yeah, exactly. yeah. <laughs> do something about yeah, it. Yeah, there's six of us. Do something, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> Um, some good news. Pfizer's COVID vaccine, uh, the first shipment arrived at O'Hare today. That's good. Yeah. That's good news. Uh, that is good news. It's not like any of us are getting it, but it's going to people who need it. So that's good. Frontline Um, workers. Let's go. Ties into the second part. Uh, currently as of like six hours ago when this was published, uh, there are 91,000 people hospitalized in the U S for COVID. So the COVID numbers are super high and a lot of people are, you know, Oh, you know, it's fine. It's just like a fucking common cold. Then why are ninety-one thousand people in the hospital? Yeah, right. Okay. There's also the the. It's only one percent who die, and it's like, well, yeah, but there's also another one percent who are like have heart conditions for the rest of their life, and another one percent who have lung conditions for the rest of their life. And, and if you take the percentage amount of people of like, who are just fighting for their fucking yeah, lives, right. And, yeah. and it gets to like six percent if you just go by actual cases. Yeah, because the one percent is like. Here's how we can, we can kind of assume that if we have this many cases, there's this yeah. many people walking around that have it that we don't know about. Yeah. That's an estimate. If you look at confirmed cases versus estimates, it's buck wild. Yeah. Confirmed cases, like, they went a test, like, got tested, and they yep. were positive. Right. And, like, all the virologists and people who study this are like, yeah, it's probably about a third of people with it. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, yep. Um, my next two are Star Wars. Okay, I haven't heard anything about Star Wars in a while. One's kind of fun, one's kind of sad. Okay. All right, so it's not really Star Wars, it's The Mandalorian. Oh, I know the sad one. I know the fun one. Interesting. Jeans guy. Yeah, jeans guy. You heard of jeans guy? I have not. All right, so... America's new hero. America's new hero. So, um, Mandalorian, uh, I think it was episode three. Okay. Of the Not new spoil season, too much, much, but right? Okay, you okay. should watch it. It's really good. I know. I gotta get around to. Okay, you do. But you want to hear a story? I was watching last season, and then they had like Bill Burr as like an alien assassin, and I was just like, "That's Bill Burr." <laughs> <laughs> and it was like hard to get through. Like big fan of Bill Burr, like approve his acting career and stuff, but usually he plays like a Staten Island dad or something. Yeah, you know? yeah exactly. And it's like he was playing like the assassin from space, and I was like, "Come on, guy, that's Bill Burr." <laughs> I I caught you in this one. <laughs> So I gotta get through that. Next season, it'll you be gotta Tom watch Segura. it. Yeah, exactly. exactly. <laughs> I gotta make it through that. Yeah. Or it's like John Mulaney. Jim Gaffigan. Yeah. yeah. I'm just like, no, come on. Hey, that's you should that, come into yeah. this room with yeah. me. You should, you should rebuckle down and watch it. I'll buckle it, down and really watch good. it. It's really good. I know but, it's really good. I just um, hit that. I think it was like episode five or something. I was just like, yeah, can't. But rebuckle down and finish it. Okay. Knock it out. Um, but <laughs> season two, episode. Ah, oh, jeez. I don't know. Skip but. There was a guy in the very back that somehow people missed editing. Yeah. And it's like not even half his body. Right? From, like, from his hip all, down. All you yeah. can see is jeans, a t-shirt, and a big watch. <laughs> right? Like a Casio or something like That's that. Funny. Right? 
and people blew up about it. Oh yeah, he's called that, Jeans Guy. You can now buy so an funny. action figure Jeans of guy Jeans Guy. Figure. Well, because the director was acting in that scene, so he wasn't able to oh, oversee able it. To catch it. So yeah, so the, he was just standing there. He thought he was out of the shot, but it's literally a hallway, a corridor that just cuts him right down the middle, and he just he's just standing there. It's just Jeans Guy. Jeans Guy. Jeans Guy. He's got action figures coming out. And they've already yeah. edited it out. So yeah, if you watch it right now, day, yeah. okay. you won't see it. But, but you have to Google it. Some people saw yeah. it, and you can buy Jeans Guy action figures. That happened in like season eight of Game of Thrones, where yep, someone just coffee noticed, cup. Like, yeah, yeah, like, yeah, like a straight Starbucks logo cup on the set. <laughs> and it was just like, <laughs> that's funny. So that they did that. second Star Wars news, which is sad. Uh, Dave Prousey, uh, he played Darth Vader, OG Darth Vader in yeah. all the original Star Wars. He died. Today, yesterday. Yesterday, I think. Um, he was 85, and uh, he died of COVID. That's sad. Yeah. I feel like it's more sad when people die of COVID. Yeah. It really is. I don't know Preventable why. death. Yeah, I think it's like preventable. Cause like, 85, you lived a good long life. But yeah. it but just still, sucks when it's like... Give him a couple more years. He, yeah, it just sucks yeah. when it's COVID, because then it's like, well, who knows how long you had if we had lived like a functioning government that got a handle on us. You don't. So, yeah. yeah. OG's, OG Darth Vader has passed. So that that's it. Just a couple little things I wanted to wanted to Just mention. Cool. But, so cool. Well, that's the episode, guys. Uh, thank you for tuning in. If you stayed around this long, yeah. follow us on all of our social medias. We Sorry will link those for down below. Forcing you to listen to Jordan Peterson. <laughs> it's, it's really painful. <laughs> Sorry, we forced you or John yeah. forced you? Sorry, I forced this you. This was John. <laughs> but you got to know who the guy is. So yep. I apologize. Thank you for listening. If, if you're a Jordan it. Peterson fan, tweet at us and tell us why we're wrong. Yeah, please do. Not worth engaging. Please, I, I really, I will engage with you. I promise that. I will engage too. But. At John Arterburn yeah, on Twitter, exactly. At McLean Autry on Twitter, at Nick Max, fell with two C's, or at Slightly Informed. Yeah, S I underscore podcast. S I underscore podcast. Cool. cool. Thanks for listening. All right. I think supposedly we'll have a Patreon episode edited soon, so yep. tune in for that. Uh, give us money. Yeah, give us money. It's tax deductible. Please. Yeah. I haven't learned what tax deductible means, but I'm, I'm imagining. We're going to say that. Sounds I'm imagining really there's, cool. there's a subsidy sounds for about podcasters. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it's the best tax credit there is. No more telecom subsidies, yeah. only <laughs> podcaster only subsidies. Only subsidizing podcasts. <laughs> I heard it's, if you're if you're on a podcast, you don't have to pay personal taxes, That's too. Oh. So, you know, because I'm an artist contributing exactly. to the community. When exactly. I'm in the store, exactly. I'm going to tell them that. Yeah. <laughs> Sir, I am podcast. Exempt. <laughs> Fighting the person at Asian or Blanche. What the fuck? <laughs> I was told this is a real thing. <laughs> You're wrong. All right. We love you guys. All we'll right. see you next week. Bye. Bye.